Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Amen. The four-letter word. Some people use that word from time to time. Some people refuse to use it. Some people use the four-letter word when they're under pressure. Some is like a lifestyle. It is a very descriptive word. And in fact, Jesus encouraged his disciples and all his followers to use the word and to live by it. In fact, Jesus says, if you don't live by this four-letter word, you cannot be my disciple. Some of you got nervous in the beginning, eh? That four-letter word is the most powerful four-letter word, and that is the word love. Jesus wants us to live with plenty of love, receiving and giving. And I want to speak to you a little bit about that this morning, uh, that you and I would have a year filled with plenty of the love of God, experiencing it and giving it away as well. May your year, may this year, be a year rich of love. Uh, for you and through you as well. You see, much is said about love, isn't it? I mean, if you go and Google just the word love or how do I express my love or something, there's, there's reams of papers that come uh, through your printer on, on how do you express love. And, and, and this is what some people, you know, some things that said about love is really just garbage, hey? I mean, it's, un, it's, it's impossible to do. And yet when you say that to the person that you love, to the girl that you love, and you, and you tell her these sweet things that mean very little, she goes, oh, he's amazing, he's amazing. So it obviously works, but I don't know why, but let me give you some of that stuff, and it's some of it is tongue-in-cheek. My world is meaningless without you. Really? She should say to you, so where are you investing your money and your time if it is meaningless without me? All right? Now, the truth is that there are other things apart from my love for Carol that is very meaningful in my life. All right? So let's go on to another thing. I cannot start the day without thinking of you. Really? The first thing you tell her is, who's going to put the coffee machine on this morning? All right? So it's not all true, is it? My heart, you make my heart melt. Chocolates melt. Hearts don't melt. It is impossible. Even the soppiest love story that you can tell that girl, your heart will never melt. And she believes you. I mean, can you hear what I'm saying? There's some stuff said about love, and I don't know where they get it from, but it works. It works. The other one is, my love for you is unconditional. That's impossible. That is impossible. We try. We work towards it. But have you ever really loved like Jesus unconditionally? conditionally, consistently. No, I try. We work towards it. Here's another one. I would climb a million mountains and swim across the ocean just to be with you. I'm sorry, Carol. I cannot climb a mountain. I have two knee replacements. And swimming across the ocean with sharks, uh -uh, I'm not doing that. I am not doing that. That's going to be meaningless to my wife as well. Here's another one. Good morning in the morning. Good morning, my love. You are so beautiful. I can't resist being of you. Really? Have you seen, have, let's call it, have you seen one another when you just wake up? It's sometimes a scary thing. You know, sometimes a scary thing. You know, it's not all true, hey. The sound of your voice makes my heart beat faster. Yeah, sometimes with fear as well. All right? So that, that's okay. You know, that, that's true. 
there's some ones that are, that are more real for me and that, that I can add and say this is meaningful. I will treasure and love you all the days of my life. I will. I will do my best. That's my life goal with my wife. True story. That's what I want to do. Another one. I can't imagine life without you in it. True. That's true. I don't even want to think of life without Carol in it as well. So I'll go with that one. I'll give the last two uh, a 10 out of 10 and nine and a half, three quarters out of 10 if I can do that. And here's another one that I really believe. You are such an amazing woman. You make my life meaningful. That's true. I love you. That is true. So uh, can you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes when it comes to love, uh, you know, it's not all true. It's not all, it's some of it is just, ah, man, garbage, you know, get real, get real, you know. I mean, if Carol says to me, my heart melts like chocolate for you, I'll say, give me the chocolate rather, you know, and forget the rest, you know. I, I googled, what are the loneliest places to live in the world? And 10 places come up. Right down to the loneliest. Okay, here they are. The loneliest places to live in the world is Greenland. But isn't that beautiful, some of you say? Falklands, that's beautiful places. Gobi Deserts, French Guinea in France, Australia Outback, beautiful, lovely. Western Sahara Desert, Kalahari Desert, Iceland, Antarctica, Snake Island. That's the loneliest place to live in the world. Not only because people are very unfriendly there, but there are apparently a lot, lots of snakes. That's why it's called Snake Island. All right? So you don't want to go there. Those are the loneliest, loneliest places. But the truth is this, my, my friend. The loneliest place in the world is the human heart when love is absent. That's the loneliest place. You can have all the money. You can live wherever you want, go wherever you want, holiday wherever you want. Do whatever you want, but if there's absence of love in our hearts, we are lonely. We are lonely. You see, I try to look for a definition of, 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 of love in the Bible, uh, in, in dictionaries and so on, and I came up with a whole lot of things that people say. You know, it ranges from this, that love is pure, it is painful. It is sweet, it is dreadful, all at once, in one paragraph. And I say, thank you very much for helping me there. You know, the truth is, though, that love is a basic need in every one of us. To love and to be loved is a basic need in any, in any one of us. And that is true. We want to be loved. In order to live a healthy life, to, to be a, a, a proper person, if I can put it like this, love needs to be part of it. So here's various definitions. And a lot of them, if you look at the definitions, relates to feelings and emotions and attitude. But God adds a little bit more to that. Uh, when, when, when you and I define love, we connect it to affection, attraction, and emotions. And God adds a few more dimensions to it. He doesn't exclude this because He put that in us. But He adds a few more dimensions. And what He adds to real love is that of sacrifice and service when He speaks about love. You see, in the Bible... In my translation, the one that I use, the NIV, the word love is used 686 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, in the NIV, 425 times and 261 times in the New Testament, the word love. And, and when we consider this massive topic, which will take us ages to discuss and to experience, the first thing I want to say to you is we've got to continuously experience the love of God. 
The love of God is so, so important in every individual's life. Psalm 36, verse 5 to 6, David expresses some of that. He says, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. How much is that? How much is that? Reaches to the heavens. Where do the heavens stop? How much is that love? And you know what? Song of Solomon with some men don't want to read, they think it's a bit too soppy, but a lot of that is expressions through, through Solomon of what God feels about his church. Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 4 says, He brought me into a banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. You see, a banqueting house is a place, especially in times uh, that these uh, scriptures were written, it's a, it's a place of feasting. It is a place of plenty. It's a place of riches. It's a place of joy. And so, so, so when David speaks about God, he says, you brought me into that place, a banqueting, a, a place where I can have my full, where I can experience you and enjoy you, where I can, where can I be treated like royalty. That's the place you brought me. And then he uses a term which sometimes we've read but maybe not fully understood. And then he says, your banner over me is love. This is a banner. I know we call it a flag, but this is a banner. In Old Testament times, they used banners in times of war. And a banner would be raised when the soldiers would go up. And on this banner, either the name of the king, the name of the general, or the name of the country would be on this banner. And so when somebody had the job to walk with his sword, but make sure that this flag, this banner is raised. The moment that flag is raised, people would fight with their lives. The moment it is dropped, people would run for their lives because that means somebody important got killed. We, we got to get out of here. You see, that flag, my dear point, indicated for the soldiers a rallying point. That's where we meet. It means also that with various movements of the flag, they would know what and where they would go to when they would fight. This banner declares that I have a loyalty to the king, to the general, or to the country that I was fighting for. This banner. I was willing to fight not for the banner, but for the king, the country, or the general with my life. I would be willing to give my life to them. So a banner, if I read that verse again, Jesus, or God says to you and me through the book of Solomon, he says, I have prepared a place, this is my love for you, I have prepared a place where I want you to come and feast with me, and come so that I can put my banner over you where there will be loyalty and trust and protection and guidance. I hope that helps you a little bit when you read that psalm or that, that part of uh, Song of Solomon again. In Psalm 119 verse 4, it says, the earth is filled with your love. Let me ask you again the question, how much does it take? How much substance, how much liquid does it take to fill the earth? How much? It's too much. So when I start thinking about the love of God, I must think of it is too much. It is a lot. It is something that I cannot use up. It is continuous. It is forever. You see, David experienced something that maybe you and I still need to experience. You see, David realized how much the love of God was. My friends, David was a man who knew sorrow and he knew 
joy. David was a man who knew discipline and correction. And yet he says in all of that, the earth is full of your love. You see, when it comes to receiving love, you and I, and I've said it so many times in our church, we often equate that with stuff. You, we do that with our children. How, how would you like it if this year you say to your children, don't tell them, but that you organize this lacquer birthday party and you say to everybody that comes, all I want you to give my child this birthday party is a hug. How many of your kids are going to think you've lost it? I don't want, I'll trade that parent in because we equate love with stuff. Oh, he loves me, gave me a diamond ring. Oh, he loves me because she loves me because she made me a cake or whatever, you know. No, that's stuff. Maybe a demonstration of the love. But we often, and David knew, man, there's times of sorrow, there's times of joy, there's time of correction and discipline in my life. And yet, he says, the earth is full of the love of God. In John chapter 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it speaks about a quality of God that, you know, I don't know if you can ever say that a quality of God is the most important or the greatest because God is a balanced person. So everything that he has is in equal forms and shapes and so on. But there it says here, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. Whoever loves in love lives in God and God in them. This is obviously not outside of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? All right? So, so I don't think we, we spend enough, enough time just appreciating the love of God in our lives. And maybe daily we should get up in the morning and say to ourselves, God loves me. It sounds like simple words. God loves me. But it works in a marriage relationship when you really mean it. Mean it. I love you. It does something. It, it, it said something. There's a spark in you. And you know, this week I walked around, and now and then I would sit down and just say, Lord God, morning, morning Lord, morning Holy Spirit. I like to greet God like as I learned, learned it from a deacon many, many years ago in our church. Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Now, God doesn't sleep, but I do. So it's just good that I greet Him, you see. So, uh, so some, this week I just kept saying, Lord, you love me. I know that you love me. I know that you love me. I'm your boyki. I'm not the one, I'm one of them. I'm your child. I'm not the only child. I'm one of your children. You are my father. And you know what? Every time I would speak to God like that, in me, an emotion of love back to God welled, welled up. Agape. Have you heard the Greek word agape? What does that word agape mean? It is a godly love. It is a selfless love. It is an unconditional love. And the most extravagant usage or example of agape love is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and me. We know that. And another part of that selfless love is the willingness of God to sacrifice His own Son. I'm not going to do that, will you? Not for anybody. And God, that is agape love, a selfless and unconditional love. You see, and I want you to hear me out because you know that I preach on holiness. But one of the things that I realize about God is He seeks, seeks nothing from me. Nothing that I have to give God will provide Him any gains. He simply starts by giving me love. He gives me love. And it's good to think about that every now and then. I cannot buy it, I cannot pay for it, I cannot earn it. I receive it by the grace of God. 
You see, agape love is true. It is a true love. It is selfless. It's unconditional. But it always comes with a price. It is costly. Agape love is costly. And I pray that as we go on this day and maybe in this week that you would meditate a lot on the love that God has for you as an individual. It really makes a difference when it sinks into your heart. The second thing that I think is important when it comes to this, this, the, uh, the topic of love this morning is to definitely have a love, to be rich in love towards God. Now, if you learn to receive, and I'll come back to that in a moment, it is easier to give love then as well. So you have got to be, understand the love of God He has for you. Then you've got to return it first to God. Be rich in your love towards God. My dear friend, there's a huge difference between knowing God or knowing about Him and knowing Him. There is a huge difference between talking about God or singing about God than actually singing and talking to Him. That's where relationships come in. We are told to love the Lord God with all our hearts. Have you figured out in all the years you've served God what that actually really, really means? It is a continuous discovering for me. Love the Lord with all my heart. May mean more tomorrow than what it meant today. And it's a continuous discovering. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 is the starting point for me. It says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who have been given to us. That's where it starts. You know, you cannot give before you have received. And the love of God is something like that. It's unless you have stopped and say, God didn't just save you because you were a bad boy or a bad girl. God saved you because he loved you. He loved you. John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world. That's why the rest is he saved him. He gave his one. He didn't say the world was so bad. That's why God sent his son. The world is bad. We know that. But God so loved us. That's the starting point. The love of God. The amazing love of God. Why do we then battle so much as believers to walk in demonstrating love to God and love to one another? Why do we, why do we battle so much? Uh, the, the secret is in that, in that scripture that I've just given to you. is the Holy Spirit. You know, many of us, many of us as believers walk without giving Him any thought. The reason why so many of us fail to walk in the love of God is because we don't open our hearts or maybe have never opened our hearts due to hurt and all kinds of stuff, but we've never opened our hearts to the Holy Spirit. His role and His function is pouring out God's love in us. And once it's in your heart, it's got to be given away. If I take 20 liters of water today, Mr. Niemand, and I ask you, open your mouth. Your stomach cannot contain it. Your cheeks won't be right. It's going to come out at all. Your ear and your ears and all this. All over the place, it's going to come out. You know, and if we receive the love of God, we are going to start giving it away. So maybe the reason why we're not giving is because we're not tapping into the love that God has for us. Charles Finney, I love this. I've read it so many times when he was filled and touched by the Holy Spirit, says this, the Holy Spirit seemed to go through me, he says. He says, I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come like waves of liquid 
love. Oh, I pray that each one of us will experience that more than just once in our lives. The waves of liquid love. He says, for I could not express that in any other way. We often want to know how we can walk more in, uh, you know, put on. And and I've preached sermons where I said, put on this and put on that and put on this. And, you know, how difficult is it to put on love, to put on patience, to put on meekness, and to put on all that fruit of the Spirit? It is impossible if I don't walk in the Spirit. If I walk in the Spirit, the byproduct, the fruit of walking with the Holy Spirit is, what does the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5? Joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, I messed it up again. Let's maybe just go back and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. You know, I find it much easier to forgive somebody who does me wrong. When I stop and immediately say, Holy Spirit, will you fill me? I don't get it right immediately. I get it right a little bit down the road. Then I've got to say, stop, 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 Rulof. Your thoughts are now not really good. Then I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And you know what happens? Then in love starts boiling up. And I go, ah, oh, it's okay. It will be okay. We'll fix this. We'll work through this. That's how it works. If you want that fruit, you've got to be... You know, if we walk in the Spirit, I believe, my dear friends, the qualities of the Holy Spirit will start shining through us. Let me go on to the last point here this morning is that we've got to be experiencing the love of God, but also we have got to um, experience a love towards people. A love towards people. And I pray that you and I this year will be much richer in love towards people. Let me say it again. When you experience the love of God, you have got something to give. When you don't walk in the Spirit and don't experience that love, then so it's good to every now and then stop and say, I am so loved by God. I am so favored by God. I am blessed by God. I'm, I'm at a banqueting table here and nobody else can give me the goodies. I am blessed by my heavenly Father. You see, Jesus and the apostles spoke a lot about love. A number of scriptures, and I'll read some of them to you this morning. Um, John chapter 13, it says this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Now, that's still okay until he says this, just as I loved you. That's the difficult part. That's the continuous struggle. The ongoing struggle is to love just like Jesus loved me. So you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my... By what? By love. All people will know that you are my disciples. Greater love is no one than this, that somebody lays down his life for a friend. John 15, 13. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. Some of these are tough, isn't it, to listen to them and say, wow, how am I doing here? How am I doing here? Above all, keep loving one another. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. That's what I said to you just now. I find that when I need to forgive somebody and I ask God to fill me with His Holy Spirit and with His love, it's like a wave that comes slowly sometimes and it covers the person's sin and it covers my sin, the love of God as well. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Let's go on to the next one. Above all, above all these, put on love, which bind Binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, let me ask you, 
a question, and, and I'm just a family man as well. I know exactly what we're going through. Um, it says here, love binds us together in perfect harmony. How's the stress in the marriage and in the family at the moment? So what is the answer? Put on love. Holy Spirit, fill me, then I'll give it. Okay, that's, that's how it is. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, the greatest of all of this is love. Let all be done in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Who we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, verse 9. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves must being born of God and knows God. This is the tattoo you, tattoo you want to wear, the characteristic, the hallmark you want to have as a believer. It's not how much faith you necessarily have, not how much you've done for God necessarily, not how great you are and how much knowledge you have of the Scripture, but how much love you can demonstrate. And love, although it forgives a multitude of sin, it doesn't overlook sin either. But let's move on. Last one, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. There's a lot of the Bible said about love. And I want you to to really, really meditate on those scriptures. And the next thing I want to say to you, my dear friend, listen to what I'm saying. Love people from your heart and not your mood or your personal need. That's a big enough challenge, isn't it? Because my love is so conditional, like yours. <laughs> Don't love people just from your mood or your personal need. It should be coming from a heart that is flowing over with the love of God. Jared and I were talking uh, last week, and, 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 and I'll just share with some thoughts with you as well. But First Corinthians 16 verse 14 says, Let all that you do be done, all that you do. All means all that you do in love. So him and I were having a conversation because we, we, we're preaching the same themes in our churches. And, um, and I said to him, let's share some thoughts here. And he said to me, you know what, Dad? Love is the oxygen of God's kingdom. It's the oxygen of God's kingdom. I quite like that. I wrote it down and I'm using it. Love is the oxygen of God's kingdom. It's what brings down God's kingdom into our midst. Heaven to earth comes through love. Love keeps the kingdom going. It keeps it alive. It keeps it well. It keeps it from, it, 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 it makes it function optimally. Love. Love is the oxygen. It is the oxygen of God's kingdom. To love unconditionally is extremely difficult, but that is the goal. It means that I I love and show genuine care for others above myself and my personal needs. And this is exactly what Jesus demonstrated to us and commissioned us to do. He says, breathe in my love and breathe out my love. That's our job. John 13, verse 34 to 35, he says, now I'm giving you a new command. Your enemies, whoever falls in this category, love each other just as I have loved you. I I think sometimes, my dear friends, our hearts need to go through God's tenderizing machine and be beaten a little bit, just squashed a little bit and tenderized a little bit to say, hey, let me make it soft again because your heart has become hard. Many, many years ago, 
I went into a meeting as a, as a, as a, as a pastor, and, and you know, sometimes as pastors, we're in the mood, mode or mood of giving so much that we don't receive. And, and then you go to a meeting, and you're still in that, mo- that mode, you know, I'm yet to give and, and not so much to receive. Anyway, so I, I've shared this with some friends before, but I, I walked into this meeting, and, and people were praying for one another to receive the Holy Spirit and so on. And, and people were falling, around, falling backwards and, and so on and crying out to the Lord and, and so on, showing some emotion. And I stood there and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm a good Baptist boy and my roots are quite reformed. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to put my one foot behind my other foot. I'm going to lean forward on my foot so that nobody can just push me over. You know, um, you know I, like, I, I, don't, I dislike what people do. I, I watched the pastor in, in India, and I haven't had the guts to write to him yet, but it's coming. Uh, he says, receive the Holy Spirit, and he puts his hand on you, keeps moving. Now, anybody's going to fall. 100% success rate. That, that's not God, man. That's not God. Anyway, so, yeah, so I stood here, and, and I thought, no, so not, this is not going to happen to me. Like this, eyes closed, and I felt, found myself a second or two later on the ground. Just nicely. Somebody caught me. I'm laying there. I'm starting to weep. And I think, why? My wife sort of loves me okay. My children are not too bad looking. I'm, I'm leading a, a lacquer church. Why? And the next day I went back. And again, I thought, I am not going to do this. You know? And I stood like this. And whoosh, the rule of goes again. And then, then I lie. And I weep. And I weep. And I weep. And, I, and, and you know what? I got up there. And it was my tenderizing process. Yes, God softened my heart. He made me like Nick, a real sissy. <laughs> Where's Nick? Where's Nick? I'll, I'll, I'll tell him that. You don't have to tell him it. I'm telling him that. A real ninny boy. You know, and, and when I, and, and you know, for years I would also, you know, God tenderized my heart. And I pray that God will tenderize our hearts, my friend. Because without a tender heart, you are not demonstrating what God wants to demonstrate to a lost world. We become barkers and biters. You know, do that, don't do You're a rotten sinner, you're going to hell, which is true. But the way you say it, the ride, the ride can be much easier and nicer to hell. Then don't bark them in there. You know, they're going to go there automatically if they don't serve Jesus. You see, a lack of love, my dear friend, for others really shows an inward-focused faith. Me. Mine, I. A lack of love shows an inward focused faith. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That includes my neighbor and my enemy. The deepest, the strongest love manifests itself in very tangible, visible qualities. It's not just pie in the sky things. It manifests itself in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, just a few things. There are many other practicals. In patience, in, in humility. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't entertain evil, never fails, always hopes, protects, and truth, trust and persevere. It manifests itself, the love of God, in very practical, tangible, visible ways. The love of God. Charles Stanley writes a paragraph on the unconditional love of God and, and the love of, and he says, God's unconditional love should characterize our lives. It should be the, it should be the number one character. 
of me. My, it should be my hallmark. It, like I said, it's the, it's the tattoo that I wear in my heart, the love of God. When you see the love, then you know there's a son of God. There's a child of God. Love goes far beyond just being a good person. It even operates when I don't feel like it. And Jesus showed love like that. He didn't really feel like going to the cross. In fact, he cried out to God and he says, God, if it's your will, please, please, please let this go by. In fact, that he was in such agony that he sweated blood. Have you sweated blood before? No, you have not been in that kind of agony. And he sweated blood. And then he says, but, oh, here's his allegiance to the Father. Not my will, your will be done. I'm, uh, that's my resolve. I close with, with saying to you another thing Jared and I talked about is, you know what, we deal in currencies these days. We deal with money, all right? Years ago, people would trade in, with stuff, mealy meal for a bag of mealy meal for a, a bag of cabbage or whatever like it. They dealt in stuff. We have currencies wherever you go in the world. And the currency we, we use uh, is rands, obviously. So without rands, I, I'm not alive. I, I'm not living. I'm not surviving. I'm not really enjoying life at all without that currency, or some of it at least in my pocket. And, and without, without money, I can't cope. Uh, I can't thrive. Uh, you know, I can't live. You can't live without money. Last year's money doesn't help me much this year. I need to make money on a daily basis to survive, and so do you as well. And, and let me tell you, and, and Jared and I were sitting and saying, and you know what the heaven's, heaven's currency is? Heaven's currency. Love is the currency of God's kingdom. God trades in love. Now, now here's the thing is, you can't make it he gives it. He puts it. The Bible says, He by the Spirit puts that love in your heart. But now you've got to develop that and work with that so that that currency doesn't go in life frotte. So that is it. We, we, without continuing having more love, we cannot give that currency away. So it's, it's this two-way road, a way that I want to uh, encourage you in today. My dear friends, receive and give. If you only receive, God is going to, the, the, the tank is going to be full and nothing, you've got to give, you've got to give. God wants the tank to be emptier so that he can put more in there and he wants that to grow. That is God's currency is I'll give it to you, but you better give it away because if you don't give that love away, it may become rotten inside there. So receive and give. We are built for love and we built to love. And the reality is many of us have been really, really damaged in life. Because we either married or grew up as a child with some really selfish people. And it's damaged us. And you know when your healing comes? I know. When your healing comes, is on your knees and say, I cannot give unless I receive. Father, pour your love in my heart. Pour your love in my heart.